welcome to the Conscious Coaches on the Mission, the podcast where we take super inspiring and profitable mindset, energetics, and online business strategy and get it into the hands of the most heart-centered people like you, creating mission-driven, soul-aligned businesses. I'm your host, Eugenia Oganova. I am a Clairvoyant seven-figure business strategist, personal transformation expert, and a messaging energetics coach with over 20 years of experience. I'm the owner and CEO of TranscensionGate.com and the creator of the Conscious Future Method. I'm also a best-selling author of three books, and I've been featured in over 100 publications, specializing in helping spiritual coaches and healers sustainably scale into multiple six and seven figures without forcing themselves to work harder by weaving masculine business strategy to feminine quantum energetics and customizing with their unique soul design and mission. Twice per week, in my 20-minute conversations, I'll be celebrating one lucky conscious entrepreneur on a unique mission, their expertise, business growth, leadership, and contribution to human awakening. Stick around to the end of the show. In 20 minutes, I'll reveal how you can be my next guest. Let's do it. Our today's guest is Sarah Roach-Lewis. She is a CEO of She Rules Solutions, and she helps women figure out what's holding them back from success, how to get there. Um, you can find her on sherules.biz. That's her website. And she's also an author and a strategist. So, hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Sarah. Well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad that you are here. And let's start by explaining what is it that you do and how you got into doing it? Sure. So I'm a feminist business strategist and I started my business because I worked in the not-for-profit sector uh, in a feminist organization for most of my career. And I really became burnt out dealing with many of the you know the really significant issues that we that we focus we were focusing on. And I went through quite a period of needing to figure out what does this look like? What, what do I do with my life now when I don't want to do this job anymore? Even though it really was a dream job. I got to work with women to support them to make transformational change in their lives. I got to take that knowledge that I had and advocate and encourage government and uh, public policy makers to make those systemic changes that we know would make significant change in women's lives. So when I went through this process, what I came to is that the reason why I am on this earth, what is most important to me, what I believe at my core is that gender equality can solve all of the world's problems. And so when I realized that, what I came to is, oh, well, there are all kinds of entry points to solving, you know, to uh, working for gender equality. And so that's really how I came to my business was a recognition that what I want, what I was doing wasn't serving me anymore and that there were lots of other ways that I could do it. So how do you define gender equality? 
That's a great question. Um, so gender equality to me is um, when men and women and those who identify within that binary, because we rec- we're starting to recognize that that gender is not a binary, um, that we have that we experience equality in all areas of life. So that would be economic, political, um, in terms of health, justice, all of those areas. And so there's lots of work to be done. What I decided is that I would focus on supporting women to make more money in their business. And what I ended up looking at is, well, that was actually after I was in business for a little while, um, where I landed on a feminist business strategy. So, you know, when we listen to your podcast, the intro to your podcast and, and that idea around taking masculine business strategies and pairing those with that feminine quantum energy. I really love that idea. And what I was looking at is thinking about why do all of my clients, my colleagues, my friends, people that I talk to, so many business owners identify that they don't feel comfortable or confident in their business, even though they're the ones who created it. And so when we pull back to that strategic level, what I looked at is, well, that's because at its core, business was created for men, inspired by military strategy, and supported by women doing all of the other things. So it's no wonder we don't always feel comfortable comfortable or confident in that. And the antidote that I identify is that we change the rules. And so we really look at how do we embrace feminist business strategy into our business. And part of that is, you know, there's lots of masculine business strategies that have worked really well. So, you know, we keep what works works well and we reject the things or shed the things that don't. Oh, I so agree with you on that. And one of the things that I teach is that we're now in an age where we're moving into more upgraded consciousness, which women naturally are the um, avant-garde of. But that does not mean that we get rid of all the masculine strategies because strategies aren't needed for business, right? <laughs> we just yes. upgrade them into a much more congruent and conscious and authentic place, which you're so correct that most business strategies of the past have been based on practically military strategy, just like how do you take over something, which is very, you know, out of integrity. So um, with your clients, how do you help them with that specifically? Like, what does it look like? So it is a combination. I am fairly practical in what I do. I generally work with uh, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, people who started their business because of the what their their unique genius that they want to put out into the world and the challenges that those that that I often see with folks is that they are experts in their subject matter expertise and not in business and so that's where some of that the worry and the concern and the lack of confidence comes from so what I do is I help women who want to grow their business you know sort of that grow and scale I help them do that by teaching them the business side of business and they are the experts in the services that they provide. Mm -hmm. So what is the main component, I guess, of the, this process for you? 
Sure. Yeah. So there are really two components um, that I would argue you need to grow your business. One is a good plan. uh, And the second is a solid self-care practice. And so when we look at planning, uh, and so the the way that I work with women is by, uh, I have a program that I do, it's three months long. And that's what we work through is how do you build in entrepreneurial planning into your business? So we look at what is the vision? So where do you want to be in 10 years from now? Where do you hope to be in 12 months from now? For me, the visioning piece is that's where your revenue targets go. It's like, well, I want to make, you know, $200,000 next year. I want to make seven figures next year. That is in your visioning. You don't have to know how to do it when you start. So we do the visioning piece and then we pull back to, okay, so in the next 90 days, what do you need to do in order to build toward what are the projects you need to work on in order to build toward that vision? And so that's really what I teach people is how to use your own data, how to have good planning in your business so that we're building businesses that work for our lives and not businesses that we have to squeeze our lives in around. Because I think that's, you know, that's really women in general start businesses because we want freedom and flexibility And what happens is 86% of women-owned businesses make less than $100,000 a year. And that is the hardest stage of business. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. That is the hardest stage of business because there's just not enough to go around. And that is where you spend more time working out of your true zone of genius because you just have to do all of these other things. So what I would argue is... Let's create a plan and let's work to ensure and give you the skills and the strategies that you need to scale, to move out of that stage as quickly as possible. Because again, this comes back to gender equality, right? And wanting to support women to, um, to have economic prosperity. And that is such a game changer for women. Absolutely. And I totally believe that if women had more wealth, this planet would be in a way better shape than it is right now. <laughs> because we don't want gold-plated toilet or a jet. We we would contribute back to the community. <laughs> and, and and that's what we know happens. Because I spent so much of my life working in community development, that is exactly what we know happens, is that when women have more wealth, when women have more prosperity... They share that with their children, their families, and their communities. So that, to me, is what this is all about. And I think, you know, the other piece to this is around self-care. And we are socialized as women to put everyone else ahead of ourselves. You know, we are socialized to be good good mothers, good wives, um, good partners, good employers. And the messages are pretty clear that our well-being is not really part of of what we need to be prioritizing. And yet, that is exactly what we need to be prioritizing. Yeah, and without the self-care, you can't get to the next level of the business anyway. (laughs) And that's pretty much a fact. (laughs) It is. It is. Yeah. And I, 
I think one way of thinking about it is you're not going to buy a transfer truck for your business because you own a trucking company and spend however much those things cost and then not do regular maintenance, not put oil in the tank. A, a truck is a major asset to a trucking company. You are the number one asset in your business, and yet we are socialized to not treat ourselves as the number one asset in our business. Yeah. So this is an interesting kind of an angle here. What would you say to someone, because I run into a lot of women like that, especially in the spiritual coaching niche, is that they say, well, I don't need that much money. Like I want to make some money, but kind of like 100,000 already feels like a lot for some women. And it feels like, well, like I have to turn into something I'm not in order to get to that next level. And then I have to sacrifice my space. I sacrifice my self-care because I'm going to have to essentially become a man. And we know that that's not the case, but how do you handle something like that? It's a really great question. And... I think I handle it in a number of different ways. So to me, ambition is one of those things that is uncovered like an onion and peeled back when women's confidence builds. And so I think there's lots of reasons why people, you know, say that they don't need a whole lot of money. And that's fair. Like if that's really where you're at, that's great. I, um, we now live in a world where inflation is out of control and um, the cost of everything is growing pretty exponentially. And so even in terms of a very practical reality, what you need as a bare minimum, your base costs are significantly more in this moment in time than they were 12 months ago. So I think there, there's that piece of it. I think there's also... In my experience, we all have money stories and those money stories are often so deeply rooted in our childhood. I, you know, I grew up in a fishing family and so our, um, our income was incredibly seasonal. And let me tell you in my life, you did not ask for anything in April because that was the end of the money. There was no money. So we all have these stories. And, and I think part of this is encouraging women to unpack what those money stories are. And do you really believe that you don't need money? Or is that a nice little combination of um, not feeling like there's any space for that because you've got all these other responsibilities? And if I worked on this, then what do I have to sacrifice? And I think what you and I talk about is that you don't have to sacrifice. It, it doesn't mean that you don't have to work. And I would also say what... What my experience is, the more money you make, the more you can actually work in your zone of genius. The more that you can do the thing that you're really good at, the more people you can help. Or you can do that in a whole lot less time if that's what you really want to prioritize is your time. So those would be some of the things that I would talk about. Oh, I totally agree with you. And that's one of the things I see is that 
women have shame about having money because um, the root goes into, but then somebody else does not. And like, I'm taking from somebody if I have it. And, you know, in my community, let's say, who will I be if I have more than others? And one of the things that like in my world, what I teach is that wealth is not even for us. It's something that's universally just goes through us. And it's up to you what kind of a conduit you're going to be for it. So if you're conduit for millions and millions, imagine how much good in the world you can do. So uh, you keep what you want or need, but the rest is for the world. So how do you see that piece of, mm, but then I, I will be, I don't know, selfish or I'm ashamed if I will have more, which is really weird because a lot of women work so hard to generate that income and yet they have this other side. I feel that this at its core really comes back to the the stories and the messages we're told as women. Um, and, you know, that whole idea around ambition, right? I mean, what is wanting more money that like, what are those stories that we're telling ourselves? You're ambitious, you're selfish, you're, you know, back to your choosing to venerate yourself over someone else. And at the end of the day, women are responsible for, so much unpaid labor in this world. We do five extra hours of household work every single day, five extra. So those messages that we're given are really important to you know, the system in which we live, what I would call a patriarchal system, because it's women's unpaid labor that hold up this system that is unequal. And so what I think about is I, it is a radical act to take care of myself. It is a radical act to say, actually, I am valuable and I deserve to make money and decide how I'm going to spend that. I also think there's that piece around, you know, I have a housekeeper. I have a housekeeper and a house cleaner. I pay both of them a living wage and I treat them with respect and dignity. My housekeeper has been, my house cleaner has been with me for 10 years and so she's a dear friend of mine. So we can have relationships with people that we work with um, that feel really good because I am contributing to her household. She is contributing to my household. We have a beautiful relationship with each other. And I pay her a reasonable living above what the pay grade is wage because that's what's important to me. Oh, I totally agree. And the patriarchal system we are leaving as we're going into a much conscious, more, more conscious world. Um, I always tell most of my clients who come to me, they get paid for about 10% or maybe 20 sometimes of what they actually do for their clients. They offer all this other extra stuff and this uh -huh. 80, 90% they don't get paid for. So like in my world, this is part of what we always adjust is like, okay, how about you either don't do that and just get paid for what you're actually doing, then more time for you, <laughs> or you get paid for the entire 100%. So do you uh, find something like that with your um, clients as well? Yes. And there's this um, real desire to over deliver. Mm -hmm. And I, I and I think that's what it comes back to. And, and again, it goes back to confidence. And every woman that I know 
deal uh, struggles with confidence and it changes and grows as you change and grow. And so I think some of that real base value, we really want to just get to the place of absolutely. It, I, I just couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Charge for the work that you're doing and do less. If that's what you would like, do more and get full value for it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's such an issue, I think, a lot of times for women because we cannot turn off the caring. Like we yeah. natural over deliverers, you know, at least yes. I've never met anybody I've worked with who said, well, I just want to do half-assed job. Like, no, they, exactly. we, we do way more than even needed because we care so damn much. But then we don't get paid for that. Or a lot of times I see people actually having an issue asking for more, especially in whatever offer that they're doing. So I have some techniques that I guide my clients to, to see the value of their offer so that they can mm -hmm. embody it. So how do you deal with that? You know, so that they understand the value that they actually providing and stop thinking of it like, well, I'm just being like me <laughs> when it's like, yeah. yeah, you're being you, but look how much that looks like you're giving. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Um, I, um, I tend to use very practical tools and give folks um, things like spreadsheets uh, that are already built in with, you know, um, uh, like I, I call them playing with numbers so that there's spreadsheets where you can actually just go in and take a look at, you know, if I want to make $10,000 a month um, and how many services do I need to sell? You know, so is it five clients? Is it two clients at $5,000 each? You know, so really getting people to be comfortable um, with that idea around money. And I think that's part of what we really need to do is normalize talking about money. And then really, uh, you know, sort of in terms of that understanding their own value, that part of that comes from the normalizing the conversations, from looking at the numbers in that sort of practical kind of way. It is incredible to me how often women are shocked by that 86% of women-owned businesses make less than $100,000 a year. And sometimes that's enough to put a fire in someone's belly of like, oh, actually, I want to get past that because that's where we really see the, the value. That's where we're able to really provide more value because we have the support team and it doesn't need to be a big support team, but we've got those folks who can support us so that we're able to do the things that we're really good at. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's another thing that women kind of assume that they have to do everything themselves. And yeah. there are some women that can, I mean, there truly are some that like to be able to be in control of details and be good at it and they fast and they can have like one VA or whatever and scale. But yeah. most women require more support and we're actually very good at building communities of correct people to do that with and we treat them as family so that's um a very good kind of a next step so if we now look at the bigger picture like for you for your mm, journey in this life like what's the vision here what's the mission you feel yourself on the larger oh, story I I am on a mission to increase the number of women who have seven-figure businesses. Mm -hmm. Because again, it goes back to what we've already talked about. I One of the most profound projects that I ever worked on in the not-for-profit sector was 
um, a project called Paths to Prosperity. And it was a three-year project where we developed a community response to poverty. And we worked with the local university and 12 women with lived experience. So 12 women who are living in poverty. And we did, I live in a small, uh, on a small island in Canada. We did tip to tip, um, we spent almost a year um, doing consultations with women in this province and men, but mostly women. And what was so profound to me is that women end up living in terrible situations. Um, they, we end up in cycles of violence and intergenerational poverty and the sol one solution to that is supporting women to make more money. And so for me, that is every step of, you know, along that path, you might not want to make a million dollars a year. That's okay. But what a difference it would make if you're making $70,000 a year. Imagine what 140 would look like and how you could contribute to the charity of your choice, how you could support your kids um, if they want to go to college or university, what you could do with that. And so to me, that's what my, my core is about, is supporting women, because that is what makes a better world for all of us. Oh, this is so good. And yes, so very needed. <laughs> Absolutely, Sarah. So um, you have a gift for our audience, right? Something that they can um, go and um, understand more of what you're talking about. So tell us a little bit about that. I do. I wrote a book uh, a couple of years, well, last year, it launched a year ago in November. And it's called She Rules, What You Didn't Know is Holding You Back in Business. And what I, well, I love this book because I wrote it. And <laughs> That's great. How's that, right? So there, yeah, that's it. You just got to go get it because it's great. You just have to go get it because it's really good. But what I love about it is I talk about like good strategy is the 30,000 foot view that really drills down into like, and what is that actionable thing that you can do tomorrow to make a change in your business? And so that with this book, you, it is one that you can open to any page and there will be something that you can take away from that. So what I am, um, what I'm happy to share is they always say, you know, when you have a book, like share the first chapter, but I couldn't stop at one. So it's like the first four chapters. Of the, book. The, the typical overachiever, overgiver here. Right? Overshare, <laughs> overshare. Here, have more. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, the link is in description of the video and in the show notes of the podcast. So please go check it out. Sarah's website is sherules.biz, B-I-Z. So go check out what she does and definitely get some of the chapters of the book. And maybe you can get the whole book because it sounds very interesting. So thank you so much, Sarah, for being here and sharing your insight and your wisdom. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Coaches on a Mission. If you are a successful coach, mentor, or a healer who would like to be a guest on my podcast, please visit transcensiongate.com slash podcast. 
Are you the type of person who loves to help? If you got something out of this interview, I would love you to share this episode on the social media. Just take a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Would love for you to shout us out on Facebook and Instagram at Eugenia Oganova. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tag them on the social media and let them know about the show. And please include the hashtag Conscious Coaches on a Mission. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. I'm regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and the guests. It means a lot. Want to know more? Go to my website, transcensiongate.com, to advance your consciousness and scale your business in a sustainable way using wealth energetics and soul design. And join my Facebook group called High Ticket Clients Energetics for Spiritual Coaches. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll see you next time.